0: What's up, Benfica Nation? This is the Mr. Mike Agostino, and this here is a special presentation of one of my side projects. What you're about to hear is episode number two of the Park in the Bus podcast, and it's covering different football stories from around the world. Thanks for checking it out. Uh, thank you for your support throughout all of these projects, of course, and I hope you enjoy this program. It's coming right up after we pay a bill real quick on the other side. It's Episode 2 of the Parking the Bus Podcast. The following is a production of the PTB Soccer Podcast Network, the Parking the Bus Soccer Podcast Network. The views expressed on the show are those of the host and solely of the host. For more information, follow the PTB Soccer Network on Instagram at PTV Soccer. That's on Instagram at PTV Soccer. Enjoy the show. What's up, PTV Nation? Welcome to Episode 2 of the Park and the Bus Soccer Podcast. It has been a little while, hasn't it? And this is only Episode 2. That's because the series debut dropped on March the 1st four months ago roughly and uh, it's been it's been quite a whirlwind since then has it not uh, welcome to the new world order of football. Welcome to the post-COVID-19 era. Of course, there were no episodes uh, in the last four months uh, due to the the pandemic of COVID-19 that literally brought football to a halt all over the world, except in Belarus and Nicaragua, I want to say. Um, but little by little, football is picking back up. So uh, back is... The Parking the Bus Podcast. I'm your host, the Mr. Mike Agustinio, and we're going to talk about a couple of things this week. It's episode two, like I said. We got a few things to talk about, things that have happened in the recent history. We got a little bit of news to talk about. We'll do that here in this first segment. Then uh, we're going to talk about a couple of champions that have already been crowned, and of course, We'll close off the show with my suggestion for the match of the week this week. Um, obviously, it's a different <laughs> it's a different viewing experience than it used to be. Watching football now, as everybody is playing in empty stadiums, and you're getting every it, it is. If somebody went in to a coma six months ago, a fan, fanatical football fan, right? Or if somebody went to sleep. <laughs> 6 months ago or into outer space and came back. They would ask what the heck is going on here? What is this this product on the television? What have you all done to football? Because now we play in empty stadiums. We have piped in noise or I shouldn't say piped in because it's not piped into the stadium, but it's it is piped into your screen when you're watching on television depending what leagues you're watching. We have substitutes wearing masks on their face. We have people not shaking hands. They're, they're bumping elbows yet still hugging. We have five substitutions now in most leagues. Uh, you can only stop three time three stoppages for substitutions, but you can make a total of five changes. This is I I do have to say this is a, a change FIFA's wanted to implement for some time. And of course, what better than a global pandemic for fifa to take advantage of and to make a change without little um without without little resistance from anybody in the football community we have made for tv leagues now a lot of leagues playing from monday through friday leaving saturday and sunday basically for the big boys for spain england germany and italy uh, most of the smaller leagues, including Portugal, are playing during the week for the most part also we We have an obvious uh cancellation or I should say postponement of the some of the biggest tournaments in world football usually this time of year it is tournament season, and usually uh we're watching international football, and my plans for this time of year this year was to be talking daily or or biweekly uh regarding regarding Euro 2020 Copa America 2020 we had a CONCACAF Nations League scheduled and i believe there was also an African Nations Cup this summer and everything has been postponed Euro 2020 will now be Euro 2020 still but it'll be played in 2021 UEFA announced they're going to keep the branding of Euro 2020 UEFA Nations League will go on as scheduled starting in September. Um, Copa America moved to next summer. And I believe the African Cup of Nations, the Khan, has been moved to this coming January. So January 2021. Now, the confusing thing for me is if if we're going to play UEFA Nations League starting in September, when are we going to play the final Euro qualifying matches, because we've got four teams that still need to book their trip to the Pan European version of Euro, of the European Championship. Of course, eight uh, eight hosts or eight countries hosting across ten cities or something like that. I'm I probably have my numbers wrong. It's been a while since I've looked at it, but several countries hosting uh, hosting. Euro 2020 so there are a lot of host teams and in some groups you have two host nations in the same group um, I don't know what that means for the Euro Nations League finals however of course I don't understand why this tournament is is every other why it's biannually instead of um, why instead of quadra quadrennially You know what I mean? Why it's every two years instead of every four years. Um, It is a confusing thing because uh, UEFA has changed the entire format. And they've assured that Germany would not be relegated as well as Croatia, the reigning uh, World Cup finalist. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. But if Euro 2021 is next summer, I not sure when they plan on playing the final round of the UEFA Nations League plus we got to get world cup qualifying under underway pretty soon the world cup remembers in 2022 it's it is being played in the winter which now is turning into of course this is fifa's luck they make a horrible decision of, of selecting a host nation that can't even host the the tournament at the right time of year and Listen, I'm not going to get into all the controversy regarding Qatar being host of the FIFA World Cup for 2022. But FIFA backpedaling and FIFA falling into a lucky break because the extra six months um, from when the tournament was supposed to be started to when it will be started looks like it's going to. It's going to be time well spent as everything has been pushed back due to this, this COVID-19 outbreak. So remember, World Cup 2022 kicks off in this late November of 2022 and not in June as we are accustomed to. UEFA Champions League and Europa League will conclude in August. UEFA has announced the Champions League will be played in Lisbon, Portugal, a city that's near and dear to my heart. Um, with two stadiums there, they'll play. It's all going to be played in one-leg rounds now. Once we get to the quarterfinals, there are there are ties that still need to play their second leg from the round of 16. But once we have our quarterfinals, all eight teams will be in the same city. You'll have a quarterfinal, one-leg, semifinal, one-leg, and obviously a one-legged final. That'll all be played in Lisbon uh, at the end of August. And for the Europa League they're going to use the same format. They're going to play in Germany, another country that has had um, a very good response to this COVID out- outbreak. And those of you that have been watching Bundesliga know that uh, Germany was the first league back. They're already wrapped up. And by all accounts, they did a f- fantastic job. So we'll wait and see how how these teams look. These What's going to be interesting about this UEFA Champions League in Europa League as well is that these clubs are coming in with very, very different levels of fitness. For example, French clubs have not played since the outbreak as the French League was suspended and then cancelled indefinitely. It was cancelled. I shouldn't say indefinitely. It was completely cancelled. They'll start over next season. So PSG and Lyon come into this. Uh, you know, they have matches still to play in this competition, even though they have not played a match since March. Also, we have coming up this coming week, MLS is back cup. Yes, I'm not making it up. That is the name of the competition that this league has launched at a youth soccer facility in Florida. Florida, where it is hot and about 100% humidity. In July, they're going to play all their matches at a youth football facility matches will be played at 9 a.m. 8 p.m. and 10 p.m. if I'm not um, if I'm not mistaken that's right so if you want to watch your club you're gonna ha- there are days you're gonna have to get up and watch them at nine o'clock in the morning make sure you call into work just like you would for a major tournament um, on that it's gonna be played in a World Cup format so there are groups that have been drawn there there uh, all the teams will play around Robin within their groups and then they will advance on next week's show on episode three I'll get more into this MLS is cup MLS is back excuse me cup Um, we'll go over the the group pairings we'll go over the the fixture list there'll be some matches to talk about by this time next week as they kick off on Wednesday July the 8th and also our our rival league I should or I should say our neighbors to the south Liga MX have their own version the Copa por Mexico has has gotten out of the way it kicked off this past weekend and similar format they're only using eight teams two groups one group based in Guadalajara the other group based in Mexico City and um, we'll go through this quickly so I can update you this is courtesy of an article on www.fmfstateofmind.com that's a blog an SB nation site covering Mexican football and it is the Copa por Mexico week one recap this is brought to us by Charlie Assam at Charlie a 31 so he says here that the first the first game the first match corresponded to group B teams group B teams are playing in Guadalajara it was Mezaltan FC versus Tigres. Now, for those of you that um, haven't been following, Mezaltan FC is the former Monar- Monarcas Morelia. They have, in the spirit of their northern neighbors, the spirit of American sports. The owner has decided to just pick up. He took a club that was born in 1950 as Atletico Morelia. He had already changed their name to Monarcas to be more American like, to have a city and then a mascot. Well, he picked them up and he moved them to the city of Mezaltan. And they are now Mezaltan FC. He changed the colors and everything. Their first match in club history ended in a 0-0 draw with Tigres. And if you watch the match, it says here it should have been a far from that score. Both teams creating plenty of opportunities. But the Mezaltan keeper, Miguel Fraga, showed off his goal-stopping ability, pre- preventing Tuco Freddy's team from ever taking the lead. Of course, Tigres' big star name is the French international, um, André Pierre Gignac, and he was a bit off as well as um, he had some shots missed. The second match of the tournament, corresponding to Group A, was Club America taking on Toluca, and it ended in a 2-0 victory for Las Aguilas, coached by Miguel Herrera. Of course, America playing a solid match, and they took the lead on a blunder by Toluca's keeper, Luis Garcia. And they never looked back. As we see here, we move ahead to another we move ahead to Saturday's matches now. And it started off in Mexico City with the Derby between Pumas and Cruz Azul. The group A includes the Mexico City teams. Um, the other teams are, are in the Guadalajara group. Group B. But in this group A match it would be a 4-1 victory for La Máquina, who put on an uh, amazing display with a mostly under-20 squad, according to this article. And um, Pumas missed their defensive coverage on two dead ball crosses, allowing Cruz Azul to turn the game around before the half. In the second half, Pumas defender Luis Quintana blocked a pass he accidentally ended up passing the ball perfectly to elias hernandez who took advantage and he scored his team's third goal which is 25 minutes to play pumas showed great weakness defensively in this one in the fourth and final match of the weekend in copa por mexico it was a group b Clasico tapatio they call it the Clasico tapatio between chivas and atlas two teams from the jalisco and Chivas proved superior with a 2-0 victory over their neighbors. So, that is the update on Copa por Mexico before we cut this 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 segment uh to an end. We got one more thing to talk about and that is that is the football league in England starting in League 2 in England, okay? We're in the EFL League 2. They have concluded. Everyone has a different amount of matches played. I should say there's three different. There's some teams with 36 matches played, some with 37. The EFL decided to go to a points per match average to crown um, the promotion and playoff places as well as the relegation places to the teams in this league. Quickly down the standings, the champions of League 2 are Swindon Town. And they will be joined in promotion by Crew Alexandria, Plymouth, and Plymouth Argyle. While Cheltenham, Exeter, Colchester United, and Northampton Town qualify for the playoffs in fourth, fifth, sixth, and seventh places. And Stevenage was relegation was relegated. Excuse me. While Macclesfield Town in twenty-third place was reprieved from relegation. Due to um, the conference, I believe that was due to the conference not completing their season and only promoting um, or promoting a fewer number of teams up the table. So that takes us to the playoffs. So let's take a look at what happened in League Two in England in their playoffs. So in the first semifinal, Cheltenham Town faced off with Northampton Town. Cheltenham wins the first leg 2-0, loses the second leg 3-0, and Northampton Town advances to Wembley with a 3-2 aggregate victory. In the other semifinal, it was Exeter City taking on Colchester United. Exeter City uh, would lose the first leg 0-1 away to Colchester and would come back with a 3-1 victory in the second leg and win the tie three to two and book their spot in the final in, I should say at Wembley. And that match was already played. And you had Northampton Town winning four nil over Exeter City. So Northampton Town will join Plymouth Argyle, Crew Alexandria, and the champion Swindon Town in League One next season. Move ahead to League One now, and let's take a look here. And in League One, they also went with a points-per-match average scoring system, having played between 34 and 36 matches between the 24 teams. Uh, The champions are Coventry City. They're going to return to the championship, while Rotherham United were second, gaining automatic promotion. In the playoff spots, we have Wycombe Wanderers, Oxford United, Portsmouth, former Premier League side, and Fleetwood Town relegated out of League One were Transmere Rovers, South End United, the historic Bolton Wanderers, and of course, in last place was Bury, and they and that is because they folded earlier this season and were expelled from the Football League. So going to the playoffs now, uh, League One playoffs, Wycombe Wanderers and Fleetwood Town were the first semifinal Wycombe winning the first leg 4-1 to and drawing the second leg 2-2. Wycombe will, will um, advance on aggregate 6-3 past Fleetwood Town. And they would get the winner of the other semifinal. And it was Oxford United facing off with Portsmouth. Who can forget Portsmouth winning the FA Cup not that long ago under Harry Redknapp. And Oxford United won Portsmouth won in the first leg. Second leg, Oxford United one, Portsmouth one, so two-two on aggregate. the The round will go would go to penalty kicks. Oxford United winning on penalties, five-four. They will meet Wycombe Wanderers in the final, and that final is scheduled for July thirteenth of July, twenty twenty, at Wembley Stadium. And the winner of that match will join Coventry City and Rotherham United in the English. Football League Championship next season and again that is coming up on the 13th that's one week from today on a Monday that match if I'm not mistaken will be available on ESPN plus and we will talk about it in one of our upcoming episodes after the match has been played obviously let's move ahead now to the English Football League Championship this one is still going um big big money on the line of course in a spot in the richest football league of all the EPL the the English Premier League as we have here I'm going to bring up the standing. so we are through 41 out of 46 matches right now and nothing has been clinched nothing is guaranteed nobody's been relegated yet nobody's been promoted so it's it's an excellent um it's an excellent time to follow the english championship this is a great league if you haven't been watching this go over to espn plus get yourself a subscription for 5.99 a month and this is in addition to the Serie A. this is a great great uh product a great part of the year investment right now the, the table stands as is on top of 41 rounds. It is Leeds United leading the way. They are, of course, managed by legendary Argentine manager Marcelo Bielsa. They are on 78 points at the top of the table. One ahead of West Brom, which i on 77. Both Leeds and West Brom have assured themselves a spot in the playoff at the very least. Right now in the playoff spots. And third, we have Brentford. Fourth is Fulham. Fifth is Nottingham Forest, another historic club. And Cardiff City right now are sixth. They are the final team going into the playoff. They're on 64 points, three ahead of Derby County with five matches to play. Swansea City are eighth with 60. They are certainly not out. Millwall has 59 in ninth, five points back of the last playoff spot. Well, Preston, North End, Blackburn Rovers, Bristol City, and Queens Park Rangers all follow. At the bottom of the table, we have in 22nd place, is Middlesbrough, another former Premier League club. We are seeing a lot of Premier League clubs fall, and they're scattered throughout the English football pyramid now. But in, um, Middlesbrough sits in the final relegation spot, 22nd place on 44 points, one point from safety. They're one point behind Hull City, who not that long ago were also in the Premier League. Barnsley are 23rd on 41. They're three back from Middlesbrough and four from Hull. So they're four points from safety. And Luton Town is in 24th on 40 points. It's not looking good for Luton Town, but still five matches to play and five points from safety. So this there's still a lot of football to play. Let's go over the scores in this past round of the, the English Championship. The most recent round of matches starting on July the 4th. Derby County 1, Nottingham Forest 1, Blackburn Rovers 1, Leeds United 3, Brentford 3, Wigan Athletic 0, Bristol City 0, Cardiff City 1, Fulham Football Club 1, Birmingham City 0, Huddersfield Town 0, Preston North End 0, Luton Town 0, Reading 5, Stoke City 4, Barnsley 0. On Sunday, July the 5th, Swansea City 2, Sheffield Wednesday 1, Middlesbrough 0, Queen's Park Ranger 1, West Bromwich Albion 4, and Hull City 2. Matches coming up tomorrow, Nottingham Forest host Fulham, Brentford host Charlton Athletic, Luton Town host Barnsley, Reading will host Huddersfield Town, and Cardiff will host Blackburn Rovers. And we will run down the whole gambit. We'll run down the whole list of results next week in Episode 3 of the English Football League Championship. We're going to take a little break here on the Parking the Bus podcast. And on the other side, we're going to talk about the new champions of England. We're staying in England, and we're talking about Liverpool Football Club. That's right. After 30 years, Liverpool have returned to the summit of English football. This is the Parking the Bus Soccer Podcast, I am your host, the Mr. Mike Augustino. just the city. Never Walk Alone, the timeless classic anthem of one Liverpool football club, the newly crowned for the 19th time Champions of England for the first time in the era of the Premier League. Now, there's been some, some criticism of NBC Sports here in the United States and the way that they kind of painted this and they... Use the graphic showing the most champ, the most Premier League championships. Okay, showing Manchester United at the top with thirteen, of course. Um, next, I believe is Chelsea with five, Arsenal and Manchester City with four, if I'm not mistaken, and then you have Leicester City and. Blackburn Rovers, each with one. I may be leaving someone out. I don't think I am. Now you added Liverpool, but that is such a misleading graphic because Liverpool, you know, are are the second most ch- for the longest time were the had the most championships in English football. Yes, it all came before the champ the Premier League era, but football in England certainly did not start in 1993 with the with the finding or the founding of the the English Premier League or the Barclays Premier League as we know it today. Uh it had a long long rich history long before that in division 1 all right and if you need to learn about the history YouTube has great great videos you just put in match of the year you can put in ma- or match of the '70s, match of the '80s. Okay, you can watch match of the day from all of these different years and decades, and you can watch an entire season play out in about an hour to an hour and a half. It's I have, I have to say, I have killed quite a few all nights, all nighters, uh, binging on those match of the '70s, match of the '80s, um, English First Division or Division One was a fantastic league, twenty four teams that used to be in a forty six match season. The same way the championship, League One and League Two, are currently formatted. But of course, like we said, in nineteen ninety three, if I'm not mistaken, um the concept in the birth of the English Premier League um came to be, and that is what we know today, and it is the biggest league in the world. But Liverpool Win the 19th championship in the club's history, one behind Man United now, as Man United have 20 in total. Let's take a look at the standings as they are right now in the Premier League. Liverpool, already crowned champions, like we said. Top of the table, 33 matches played, 89 points. They are 23 points ahead of second place in Manchester City. That's right, 23 points ahead of. Of Manchester City, who are in 2nd place on 66 points. 3rd place is Leicester City. Leicester have 58 points, while Chelsea are 4th on 57. And now in 5th is Manchester United, the resurgent Manchester United. What an injection of life Bruno Fernandes was to Manchester United. Um, he has completely revitalized the team, and he is making Ole Gunnar Solskjaer almost look like a manager now. They're they're fifth on 55 points. Two points out of that final Champions League spot. It's going to be a battle between these teams for those last two Champions League spots. And three behind Manchester United, of course, is Nuno, Espirito Santos, Wolverhampton, Wanderers. The sixth place. Um, They're in sixth place at the moment on 52 points. Three ahead of Arsenal. And as of right now, sixth place is a Europa League spot depending on who wins the FA Cup. The FA Cup is now at its semifinals. Um, and depending, if the team that wins it is already is already in Europe, then Wolves will grab that sixth, pl- well, if the league ends today, Wolves would grab that final spot in the Europa League in sixth. Of course, Wolves are still in the current edition of the Europa League, like we said in the new seg- segment The Europa League will resume in August. Wolves still have to play the second leg of their round of 16 tie. But assuming they find their way to the last eight in Germany, they're as good a pick as any to win the Europa League. And if they do that, well, they will go straight to the Champions League and not to the Europa League. So they really have everything to play for still. Wolverhampton Wanderers, like we said, Arsenal are seventh on 49 points. And then behind Arsenal in 48 are, I'm sorry, behind Arsenal with 48 points, eighth place Tottenham Hotspur, and ninth place Sheffield United chasing Arsenal down and Wolves down. Burnley, Everton, Newcastle United, and Southampton round out the next four teams. And in the relegation zone now, it's heating up as well. Right now, the the Last team going down is Aston Villa, 18th place on 27 points. Above them are Watford in 17th, safe by one point right now on 28. And above them, West Ham United, the historic West Ham United. They are 16th on 31 points. It's going to be one of these five teams, and or three I should say, of these five teams in my opinion that will go down. 19th place is Bournemouth, and 20th place is basically already relegated. Norwich City, who are on 21 points. Now, Liverpool's triumph is one for a suffering fan base, certainly. Um, and what, what a... What a decade it has been for the Fenway Sports Group, who own Liverpool Football Club. Of course, they bought Liverpool some years back. Um, for those of you that don't know, Liverpool um, Fenway Sports Group are also owners of Major League Baseball's Boston Red Sox. They have won two, two World Series in the last decade under this ownership. They've won more World Series under the ownership, but it's specifically... In the last 10 years since 2010, two world championships. And um, of course, <laughs> they're not without scandal as well for a um, a st- sign-stealing scandal in which some say the Red Sox 2018 World Series title is tainted. Um, being from Boston, <laughs> being a Red Sox fan, I, I don't. I don't see anything. I think everybody steals signs in baseball. Not this is a baseball podcast, but everyone steals signs. And um, basically, Alex Cora just had to be the one to go down for everybody else. Um, But what a decade for Fenway Sports Group. (laughs) They have won the Champions League last season, and now they have finally gotten the long-awaited English Premier League title. And Mercy Side was all celebrations last week. What you heard there at the start of the segment was the audio um, over You'll Never Walk Alone was the commentary of two matches last week. It was Liverpool's win, and then the following day, the Chelsea-Manchester City match that ended 2-2 in Liverpool with the help of American Christian Pulisic and Brazilian Willian. Would clinch the title at home on the sofa, and in what I think is a somewhat anticlimactic way to clinch the title, especially after 30 years. However, the you know the stadiums are empty anyway, so unfortunately we never got to see that eruption at Anfield uh, when Liverpool finally finally ended the drought and finally brought a championship back to to Anfield, but. The celebrations outside Anfield were epic. Um, it's as if the, the COVID-19 pandemic went away that night, um, despite begging and pleading from politicians and police alike to not gather. How can you not gather? If you're a Liverpool supporter and you're 30 years old or you're 35 years old, this is the first championship that you remember, the first title. For one of the most, if not the most, historic club in English football. Remember, Manchester United have the most titles. But they have mostly come since 1993. Since the advent of the Premier League. So it can be argued that Liverpool Football Club have more history than, than Manchester United. But what a job by Jorgen Klopp who came to this club just a few years ago from Borussia Dortmund. He built a culture, and I have to give all the credit in the world to Fenway Sports Group and to the board that have allowed Klopp to carry out his mission, We have allowed Klopp to build his team, build his culture, the Klopp culture, so important. And it could have been e- There were times where it would have been easy to go a different direction. They had a couple seasons where the growing pains were rough. They stuck by their man, and he delivered. Liverpool are now the champions of England. We're gonna take a quick little break, and on the other side, we're gonna talk about another championship team in one of the big four. All right, we're going to Germany next, and talking about Bayern Munich. If you want to follow the Park in the Bus podcast on the PTB network, you can do so on Instagram by just following at PTBSoccer. That's at PTBSoccer. We'll be right back.
1: The Meister Schala goes up into the air. Lewandowski, the Bundesliga player of the season, holds the top goal scorer trophy above his head flick the first time as a coach of FC Bayern gets to lift the Meister Charlotte. Bayern München are officially champions for an 8 straight record time. Everybody wants their go. Lifting that very heavy trophy above their heads. Philippe Coutinho Gets to do it as well. For a lot of these young players, this might be the first time, but you have the feeling that it's not going to be the last time. There's still a couple of questions left who's going to win the cup? Who's going to win the Champions League? But the Bundesliga draws to a close. Bayern München, worthy champions. This day belongs to Bayern München. What a way to finish!
0: And that was the sound of Bayern München winning their 8th consecutive Bundesliga title. That audio came to you courtesy of the Bundesliga's official YouTube channel and YouTube account, I should say. Um, Bayern wins the double, actually. They went ahead last Saturday and won the DFB Pokal 4-2 over Bayer Leverkusen in an empty Olympic Stadion. Uh, Thomas Muller, after the match, did say to the press that it's very surreal and very sad playing a cup final in front of an empty Olympic Stadium in Germany's capital city of Berlin. Um, Bayern Munich, just the epitome of German German efficiency and German... uh, just German machine-like operation. They're just so fluid and so solid. And it doesn't matter if they start the season down by 15 points. It doesn't matter if at Christmas they're in 6th place. These guys find a way to come out on top at the end of every season. 8 in a row now. And I'm not a Munich fan. I'm not a Bayern Munich fan per se. I really like what they stand for and what they accomplish I prefer to, to, to cheer or root for, for Borussia Dortmund But I can't help but respect the sheer excellence that comes from Bayern Munich Bayern Munich as we say here in the United States They're just so consistent year after year winning the league They're everything I want my club to be They don't care if they play well. They don't care if it's pretty. They just win. And if they're losing or if they're not winning, they don't stop. They push and they fight and they don't give up. And they just continue to insist and persevere until the final whistle. And there is definitely a difference between Bayern Munich and the rest of the Bundesliga. A league I enjoyed immensely this season. I wanted to talk about that. You heard there also Robert Lewandowski finishing the winning, or I should say the top scorer in the league. He wins the golden boot in the Bundesliga. And just another awesome run for Bayern Munich. And they had a coaching change midseason. They just find a way. Year after year after year. Like I said, I want my club to go and win eight championships in a row. All that talk about parity or about, that's all for neutrals. okay? That's all for neutrals, having a different champion every year. When you have a club, and it's your club, you obviously, if you don't want them to win every year, if you don't want them to win every match, then my friend you should not be watching football you should spend your time writing music or writing poetry because if you don't have that competitive drive in you i don't know how you how you enjoy football i understand if you're a neutral but is any fan of bayern munchen saying man i wish i wish dortmund would win one i wish wish erta berlin would win one i wish you know leipzig could win one it's getting boring winning no nobody says that Nobody says that when they support the club, and that they support in their team wins. A big revelation this season, of course, for Bayern Munich, especially um, for us here, for us North American audience um, members, for those of us that, that follow from afar, was the revelation of Alphonso Davies, the Canada international, converted into a very, very proficient and I'll even say world class left back this season. Let's see if he can keep it up if he's a one hit a one season flash in the pan or if he's going to, you know, adopt that real that real consistent german it's just german influence consistency and just machine like attitude. He seems to be a phenomenal professional and there's a lot of media on this side of the world that are hailing him as the best Left back in the world. He's certainly the best player to ever come out of an MLS academy. There's no question, and there isn't even anybody close. Okay. Alfonso Davies is better than any player that any MLS club has developed and sent anywhere and sold anywhere. Okay. We have good players. Tyler Adams is good, right? He was formed, or I should say, he was developed at the New York Red Bull Academy. um, But. He's he's not Alfonso Davies. Alfonso Davies. Maybe it's just as a a thing of circumstance where he just went to the right club at the right time, and they converted him into what was his best position. He wasn't playing that position in Major League Soccer, nor do I think any Major League Soccer club could afford to put a talent like that at left back. But he clearly went to the right place, and he has been managed very very well in Bavaria. And very deservingly, champion of Germany again. Next for Bayern Munich now, unlike Liverpool, Bayern Munich have the UEFA Champions League quarterfinals coming up. Okay, they'll be traveling to Portugal at the end of August. In between, they have about eight weeks, six to eight weeks here. In which they have to stay fit. So the real question is going to be how are they going to look when they get to Portugal? Are they going to be fit? Are they going to be ready to really push and compete for this Champions League um, edition? This is a Champions League title this year that is completely up for grabs. It could go to anybody. This single match format opens it up to just about anybody. I think Atletico Madrid and Atal- Atalanta are also two sides that you have to you have to fancy and you have to think one of these sides can really push through depending how the draw comes out. Juventus are also going to be licking their chops, thinking that this might be their chance, especially with Barcelona in trouble. Barcelona still has to play their second leg with Napoli. Um, Real Madrid in trouble against Manchester City. So either Manchester one of the following three: Manchester City. Um, Real Madrid and Barcelona will be out. Liverpool's already been eliminated by Atleti. It really could be anybody's to win when we get to Portugal in the last week of August. So we'll see how they stay fit between now and then. All right, we're going to take our last break here, and then we're going to talk about our match of the week. Coming up in the next segment, I am the Mr. Mike Agostinho hosting here and bringing you the Parking the Bus podcast here on the PTV Soccer Network. Welcome back to the final segment of episode two of the Parking the Bus podcast. And what we have now, we're going to talk about this week's match of the week, and I think I'm featuring this team for the second time in a row. Of course, last time's match of the week. Um, was all the way back in March and we never had another episode to discuss that match but this week's match of the week is once again coming to you from Brazil that's right, Rio de Janeiro it is the Rio Cup Final which is the second stage of the Rio de Janeiro State Championship I'll explain that in just a moment but it is the arch rivals Fluminense taking on Flamengo in the historic Maracana Stadium. Now, Flu Fla is the name of the rivalry. This rivalry was named by the reporter Mario Filho, who the Maracana's uh, the Maracana Stadium is actually named after. The official name of the Maracana is the Estadio Mario F- Journalista Mario Filho, the Journalist Mario Filho Stadium, in the Maracana neighborhood of. Rio de Janeiro now in Brazil um, the, in addition to the Brazilian League that they play every season to crown a national champion in addition to the Brazilian Cup the Copa do Brazil you also have each state Brazil is set up like the United States in separate states each state is has its own championship and usually the season, the calendar year, begins with the state championships and there is a disparity in the level of play between the different states. Of course, um, Sao Paulo being the strongest of these states with teams like Sao Paulo, Corinthians, uh, Santos, Palmeiras, and company, the 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 São Paulo Championship, the most competitive of them all. But Rio de Janeiro is not that far behind because the Big Four of the city of Rio are all in it. That's of course Botafogo, Flamengo, Fluminense, and Vasco da Gama. Um, they play this championship in two phases. Okay, the first phase is the Guanabara Cup, which was already played. It concluded back in February with Flamengo winning that cup now what happens is the the 12 teams that qualify for the Brazil state championship are divided into two groups group A and group B and in the in the Guanabara Cup the way it works is every team in group A plays one match against each team in group B they don't play anybody from their own group in that in that competition okay so it's it's six matches in the Guanabara Cup, and the team, that the teams that finish in the top two in each group advance to the semifinals, and then the first of one group plays the second from the other, and vice versa, and then they have the final. So in the first half of this year, or in the early part of 2020, um, Flamengo steamrolled through the t- the Guanabara Cup. Winning in the final against a surprising finalist that was Boa Vista, who got by Flamengo. And what happens now is the winner of the Guanabara Cup earns a spot in the final of the Rio State Championship match. Now, a a week later, they... They kick off a new competition. It is the Rio Cup, which is what we're playing now. And what it is, as opposed to playing all the teams in the opposite group, now in the Rio Cup, each team plays against each uh, every other team in their own group once, qu- totaling five matches. And Flamengo moved through this one with five wins they were the winners of the group fluminense were the winners of their group and then this past sunday uh, flamengo beat volta redonda 2-0 and fluminense beat beat botafogo in penalty kicks to to advance to Wednesday night's final so it's Wednesday 8:30 p.m. eastern time here in the united states 5:30 pacific and it is available for free on YouTube, if you go to YouTube and you search FLA TV, FLA TV, and you tune in at 8.30 p.m. on Wednesday, the match will be broadcast for free on YouTube all around the world. Um, that is Flamengo's official channel, and it is it will be the final of, like I said, this Rio Cup, and the winner of the Rio Cup will... Either move will either advance to the final of the Brazil state championship match. Excuse me, the Rio de Janeiro state championship match, and that will be the case if Fluminense win. If Fluminense win, they win the the, the Rio Cup and they book their spot in the final of the Braz- the Rio de Janeiro state championship match, which will also be played at the Maracana. Um, They'll face Flamengo. If Flamengo win this Rio Cup final, then Flamengo will have won both of the pre of the two phases of the championship, and thus no final will be played. They will be crowned the champions of the state of Rio de Janeiro. And Jorge Jesus, the manager of Flamengo, will be going for now. His he'll be going for his sixth. Yes, his sixth and seventh titles as manager of Flamengo. Now I'm going to be keeping a special eye to this match obviously and the reason I picked it as the match of the week is because well for one it is for a title it is for a trophy and there's a lot of good matches this week in the various leagues but this one is different because it's a final and I also selected because it it's going to be readily available on YouTube So that anybody can watch it anywhere in the world. And I strongly uh, encourage anyone to watch it. These are the two teams that are most successful in the Rio Championship. So I'm going to quickly give a quick little history lesson. The Rio State Championship, known as the Campeonato Carioca or the Campeonato Estadual de Rio de Janeiro which is, means the state championship of Rio de Janeiro, which is also the name of the state as well as the city. Um, it was established in 1906, okay? And it is one of the oldest competitions but in Brazil, but it is predated by the Paulista Championship, the championship of the state of Sao Paulo, and the championship of the state of Bahia. Like I said, these are the two most, um, most successful clubs in the history of this competition: Flamengo, the most successful club with 35 titles and 31 runners-up medals. Fluminense, 31 championships, 31 titles, and 22, um, 22 runner-up medals. And Flamengo are the defending champions. They won this competition last year as well as in 2017. Fluminense last won this in 2012. Uh, The other teams that have won it are Vasco da Gama with 24 titles and Botafogo with 21. And then down the pecking order and not for quite some time. These are all in, in somewhat ancient history. Uh, America de Rio de Janeiro won seven times, the last one being in 1960. Bangu, the club Bangu won in in 1966. That was their second title. Then São Cristóvão and Paysandu have a title each. São Cristóvão in 1926 and Paysandu in 1912. Uh, This rivalry, the Fla-Flu rivalry, like I said, is a classic derby. And it is two bitter rivals. And there is a little bit of a story to this. So I'll quickly go over it here for you. The history of this rivalry as it um, is almost always played in the Maracanã. This match, this rivalry, I should say, this fixture of these two clubs hold the world record for match attendance between clubs it was a nil-nil fla-flu matchup in 1963 in front of 194,603 fans in the old maracana when there were no seats when it was just benches and you could stuff a lot of people in there flamengo are the most successful team like we said in the Carioca or in the rio de janeiro championships uh, Fluminense are the second most. The rivalry between these two clubs, according this is according to Wikipedia, uh, began in October of 1911 when a group of dissatisfied players from Fluminense left the club and went to Flamengo, uh, which at the time had no football department. The first fla-flu ever was played July the seventh, and very very interesting that July the 7th it'll be exact that's when this this match will be played on the 8th so almost almost an anniversary match almost 108 days or 108 years excuse me to the day of the first meeting as the first one was won by Fluminense 3-2 back in 1912 with 800 in attendance um Both of these clubs, if I'm not mistaken, represent ethnic groups traditionally. Fluminense, um, get their name from, I'm going to look it up here, the history. Fluminense were found on the 21st of July 1902 by Oscar Cox, a Brazilian of English heritage in the then aristocratic neighborhood of Laranjeiras. Fluminense were formed by the sons of the elite who had gone into contact with football while studying in europe and i believe here if i look it's going to tell me the root of the name um it actually does not it looks like oh here it is fluminess is a denonym for people who reside in the state of rio de janeiro although football the originals the club's original endeavor is today an umbrella organization for several sports. 16 different sports played by by the Fluminense Football Club. And the name Fluminense is just a denonym for people from Re- the Rio de Janeiro State. Their rivals, Flamengo, of course, are the team that was founded by Flemish immigrants. Um, it is Flamengo is essentially the Portuguese word for Flemish and it was given to the nearby beach Praia do Flamengo the beach of the Flemish because it was a place where Dutch sailor Oliver van Noort tried to invade the city in 1559 at the time Dutch, Dutch were considered Flemish by the Portuguese who ruled the city and the the area in that time And so people from the port have always been called, from near that beach, have always been called, um, or I should say that beach was called Flamengo, and that is where the name Flamengo comes from, okay? As these two teams have a heated rivalry, like I said, and if you don't know this, I do watch and follow Flamengo, and I have a sister podcast to this one uh, right here on the PTB network called Jota Jota Carioca and what that is it's me um, in a Portuguese language podcast following Flamengo in their in their trials and tribulations under the manager Jorge Jesus, the Portuguese manager with the nickname Jota Jota which just translates ...to his initials, JJ. So I will be watching this match, obviously, very closely... ...because I am going to be dropping a new episode... ...or recording a new episode of Jota Jota on Thursday. Another programming note, tomorrow I'll be I'll be recording... ...episode 66 of Mr. Benfica. So if you don't yet, check that out. Alright, that's my longest running podcast. That's the original Mr. Benfica. That's where the name The Mister comes from. And um, I'll be dropping that and also on Wednesday. I'm looking to drop an episode of Mr. Portugal for the first time in over a year. The last time I did Mr. Portugal, it was reviewing the UEFA Nations League final. And what I'm going to be doing is a little uh, trip down memory lane since the Euro 2020 was postponed. I'm going to be taking a couple episodes in a couple weeks now to look back at Portugal's history through the European Championships and I'm starting in Euro 84 starting on Wednesday I'll have that out later in the week all right if you have any questions feel free to send me an um, a direct message or an inbox on Instagram at ptbsoccer and I'm going to be signing off now and we'll be back next week for episode 3 we'll recap the Flu Fla match, the match of the week. we we'll, we're gonna we're gonna go to Spain and Italy next year and check it, next week, excuse me, and check in, in what's going on in those two massive leagues. And we'll have whatever other news happens between now and then, and of course we'll check in with the Premier League and the English Championship. So that's going to do it for this episode too. Thank you for listening. This is the Mr. Mike Agostino signing off for the PTB Soccer Network flagship show, the Parking the Bus podcast. See you next week, everyone. Thanks for listening to this special presentation of the Parking the Bus podcast part of the PTB Soccer Network. If you like the show and you're interested in some of my other work, you can check out the PTB Soccer Network anywhere you get your podcasts. It's available right now on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Breaker, Castbox, Overcast, Pocket Casts, Radio Public, and other locations. Just search PTB Soccer Network. Um the link to the Apple Podcasts um the link for the Apple Podcasts feed is available in the show notes for this episode. I hope everyone enjoyed it. I'm going to have some more PTB Network stuff dropping here on this space here on the Mr. Benfica space coming up this week. I've got an episode of Mr. Portugal, where I'm going to turn the clock back again to 1984 and start reliving Euro 84 and what was the Portuguese heroes of that summer, as well as possibly, if the rumors on both sides of the Atlantic are true, the final episode, perhaps, of Jota Jota Carioca coming up later this week. Jorge Zuz leads Flamengo into the Rio State Cup final, or the Rio final. Um, it's the only match scheduled for the rest of the calendar year right now, and if what I'm hearing is true, and if the Brasileirão is in danger of being canceled, and the Copa Libertadores is in danger of being canceled, it may be JJ's final match in Brazil and of course we all know where he's become very very strongly linked to and we all know which club is strongly pursuing him at this time back in Europe none other than our own Sportlich Wovink Benfica. so perhaps this could be the end of the the JJ uh, Odyssey in Brazil the end of Jota Jota Carioca you don't want to miss it it'll be dropping later this week again check everything out and you can also go to the Instagram page at PTB Soccer. Thanks for listening, everybody.